from R.D. Smothers Wealth Management, this is The Retirement. When you retire, if you want an exciting life, you need a boring investment strategy. Matters. Listen, I'm not telling you you've got to work with an independent financial advisor, but if you don't, you will pay for it. Podcast. Hey, this is your host, Dale Smothers, and you're listening to the Retirement Matters Podcast. My hope is that you will find the information you need in every single show on how to do one of the three things, either saving more money more efficiently, planning better for your future where you can live in retirement worry-free, or my favorite, how you can live a happy and fulfilled life in this life you have been given. We know that your time is valuable and we appreciate you spending it listening to this episode of the Retirement Matters Podcast. On this episode of the Retirement Matters Podcast, I want to bring to you a radio show that we did across Kentucky and Tennessee uh, that aired between the dates of November the 11th and November the 14th. Uh, we were talking about the most recent move at that time of the CPI, taking down two-tenths of a percent from 7.9 estimated to 7.7. Uh, we started with that. And we discussed why it's important or why we need to be paying attention, but also why the irrationality of the market caused the markets to shoot straight up. Uh, it's a very irrational move, most likely, and at, at, at best, you know, it's something that we should be paying attention to. At worst, it's something that we might need to be selling off. From that, we moved to how you can separate your retirement success from the ups and downs of the stock market. And then at the very end, if you don't listen to anything else, be sure you listen to the very end, which is a guest of an upcoming podcast we will be holding that I played a piece of his interview that we did about the YALL, that's the YALL ETF, YALL, it's the God Bless America ETF that's all about investing in conservative valued companies. It's a very powerful section of that entire interview. You can catch the entire interview at a podcast that will drop at a later date. So we hope that you enjoy this episode of the Retirement Matters podcast. Good morning to you. The CPI came out this week. We've had some political drama, perhaps a runoff for governor's races across the country. (laughs) We've got a lot going on. A lot of things that are impacting the market, both positively and negatively. And we're going to do our best to talk about those this week on the Retirement Matters Show. Let's get started right away with our pause for positivity. And this week, I want to share a story with you that I read a few days back about a gentleman who was working in, I think it was New York City, and he worked at a location to where he had to ride his bike to the subway station. He would always park his bike at a certain spot in the subway station, and he would lock it up, get on the subway, and then make his way to his job. Well, when he came back, this is a little bit of a different lifestyle than what we may encounter here in our area, the ones that are listening to the show. But when he came back, he actually walked up to where his bike should have been, and instead he saw a piece of the of the lock that that he had locked this bike up with laying on the ground. It was kind of one of those cable locks where you had a combination, and there's a picture of it on the story that I was reading, and it appeared as if the individual who stole the bike had cut just the cable. So this gentleman decides to go to security. And when he goes to security to start talking about his bike, he sees a man out of kind of out of nowhere approach him who hands him a bike lock 
that as he begins to observe this lock, realizes, hey, this is my lock. He looks at the guy with suspicion, like, you're the one that took my bike. And the gentleman that handed in the lock said, will you put your combination into this lock, please? So as he began to put his combination in and it unlocked, the gentleman who had approached him said, listen, I saw someone trying to steal your bike. And I said something to them. I challenged them to give me the bike back. And after a brief struggle, I was able to secure your bike. And I've been sitting here waiting for you to return. And I've been here for about two or three hours waiting for you to get back from work. Rather than going about his busy day, he decided to put his day on hold to make someone else's day a little brighter. That's a really impactful story, and it's it's a story that if we could just harness the the very essence of that story and live in that manner, that would be a powerful place to live. That would be a powerful place for you to live personally, for you to be living in a way where you're always looking for another way to make someone's day a little brighter, even if it means putting yourself into a little bit of an inconvenience. That is incredible. And, you know, honestly, it's something that we try our best to walk through this world doing every single day. As a matter of fact, shortly after reading that story, I was on my way into McDonald's. The line was really long, and I was on my way in to get some breakfast one morning just shortly after reading that story. And I, I, as I was walking in, I noticed this gentleman who was, who was pulling through the drive-thru, and he had a chain on his trailer that was dragging. And I kind of picked on the window, and I, I said, sir, uh, you may not know this, but you got a chain dragging. And he was like, oh, no. And he was about to get out, and this story came to my mind. And I said, well, you know what? Let me get it for you. Is that okay? And, and he said, if you wouldn't mind. He was an elderly guy. It was incredible to be able to help this gentleman and the amount of, of appreciation he had for not having to do that. It's a simple gesture for me, but a big deal for him. It's just shining a little bit of light on someone else's day. You've heard of those stories where you pay it forward. You pay for someone behind you, and they pay it for someone behind them. That type of thing is contagious. And if we could live in a way where we are contagious with our positivity, it's going to change the world one person at a time. So, and again, this is my section where I talk about being positive. I'm not going to belabor this point. But man, let's just live in a way where we are shining a little bit of light on someone else's day each and every week. All right, if you are listening to the show, most likely you're concerned with what's going on in the stock market. And if you've been alive and paying any attention at all in the last six to eight months, you realize that the market is not performing like it has normally performed, at least not in the last decade. We've seen these types of moves before. 2008 comes to mind when we talk about downturn markets. I think it's going to be something in the future that a decade from now, we may not be referring to a 2008-type crash as much as we are referring to a 2022-type crash. Now, to say that the market has crashed may be a little bit of a fallacy, but it surely has entered what we would consider bear market territory, and it has definitely went through a correction. We are on the precipice of a a looming recession, it would appear. However, this Thursday, something took place that made the market very optimistic. Now, I want to be real careful here. 
the optimism inside of the market is not necessarily a reason for you to believe that everything is now peaches and cream or sunshine and roses. I definitely believe there is still volatility ahead, but what took place with the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, that number dropping just two-tenths of a percent. It went from 7.9% of what they were expecting to only 7.7%. That still is a big deal, right? Inflation is still at 7.7% according to the latest CPI, but it's not at 7.9%. And that level of inbred optimism inside of the market can get a lot of people in trouble. The market sells and buys off of speculation. So much speculation. It's often said that the market will sell on fear and buy on news. But a more traditional rule of thought for the market, if you are rational, which all rationalism goes out the window when the market's down 20%, but if you're rational, you should actually sell on the news and buy on fear. And so this is an incredible transfer of wealth that's taking place in the market right now. And what took place on Thursday is those who were finally okay putting a little bit of money to to risk because they felt things were turning around are now coming to the table. The market as a whole, if we create the market as a as a living breathing being, let's let's imagine we could make it a character. This character has a sense of dysphoria. In other words, it's always looking to be sold off. However, it it has another case of optimism and what we would consider complete irrationality when it comes to the time of buying. You'll hear it said sometimes that the animal spirits have been unleashed into the market. And simply put, what that means is people buy because they're afraid that they're going to miss out. And when everyone else is selling, people sell because they don't want to be the last one selling. Once again, they're buying on optimism and selling on extreme fear. But as a whole, the market is built to look for reasons to be optimistic. You don't have companies valued at 50 and 60 and 70 times their annual earnings without some sense of optimism. And if if markets were truly rational... You would not have those same companies that are valued at 50 and 60 times their annual earnings losing 30% in one year and then increasing almost 15% in one day because of a two-tenths of a percent change in the inflation measure. Especially when, and, and get this, especially when the inflation measure is still historically high. I think it's really ingenious how we see Benjamin Graham in the book, The Intelligent Investor. He describes the market by creating this character, and and this character is called Mr. Market. And he talks about Mr. Market having severe optimism followed by periods of severe pessimism. And he almost creates this bipolar slash schizophrenic individual. And And he says, imagine that Mr. Market every single day came knocking on your door and said, I will buy your house for X dollar amount of money. And he says, you know, imagine that the first day he comes and says, uh, I like your house. Your house is really pretty. It's it's beautiful. It sets on a lot of land. I'll give you a fair price of $500,000. Well, the reality is you're not looking to sell your house right now anyway. So it doesn't matter. You kindly say, no, thank you. I'm not looking to sell. 
The next day he comes knocking and he says, "Hey, listen, you know your house. It's not really that valuable. It, it, you know, it's got some shingles that need to be repaired, and the land is kind of small. I think I might be able to give you two hundred thousand dollars for this house if you really want to sell it." And you look at him and say, "Wait a minute, I, I'm not even wanting to sell my house anyway. You insulted me. Get out of here." And then the third day, he comes knocking and he says, you know what? I'll tell you what. You, you've got a beautiful house here. This house is incredible. It's better than any house I've ever seen. I'll give you a million bucks for it. You look at him and you say, I'm not looking to sell my house. Now, let me ask you this question. Would you be at all intrigued in taking the man's offer if he offered you a million dollars for a house that was, let's say, fairly priced at $500,000? I think that we would all at least entertain that offer, right? Especially if we could go and buy something very equivalent in the market for the same $500. Essentially paying cash for that house and having a lot to boot. This is how the stock market works as well. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of rationality in what they offer you for your stock, in aka the stock price. But if you go back to fundamentals and you actually value the company, Based off of a valuation that you deem to be fair. Now, how you come up with that valuation can be a host of different ways, but let's assume you take the price of the stock and you compare it to how much it earns. Let's say a price to earnings ratio. In other words, you're looking for income from this particular stock. Maybe a price to earnings ratio is is high, and you say, you know what, I really don't think this stock is worth what I'm paying for it, but somebody's willing to pay me even more than what I paid for it, let me sell it. Or you look at the price of the share and you see how much it earns in dividends and you think, man, that P-E ratio, I just taught a new term there, a P-E ratio, that P-E ratio is really low. And you know what? I think I'm going to buy more of that. In the book Benjamin Graham speaks of, it's called The Intelligent Investor. It's a really good read if if you're interested in trying to learn the market on your own. He talks about Mr. Market. That day that he comes knocking and says, I'll buy the house for $200,000, not only does he say, I'll buy your house for two hundred, dollars he also opens up his coat and he has several other houses that he will sell you for $200,000. There's a good chance with you knowing what your house is worth, you would go ahead and buy a couple of those $200,000 houses while you're at it. Because the next day, when he comes back and offers a million, you've made a lot of money. Now, this is a really cartoonish way of thinking about the way the stock market works, but it's definitely reality. And we're going to talk on the back end of this break about how you can use that type of irrationality to your advantage. Before the break, we were talking about Mr. Market and his irrationality. And we were kind of referring to your house. Knowing what your house is worth when you're living in it is as important as knowing what stocks are worth when you own them. Now, how do we value their worth? There's a lot of different ways, but the most, you know, let's say accepted way, if we can say it like that, is a price to earnings ratio or a multiplier of earnings. So we can do an earnings multiplier, which means let's say a business makes $1,000 this year and we do a 30 times earnings, that business is worth $30,000. You follow me? Well, if we can look at all of the shares of stock that are outstanding, we can actually know roughly what that company is worth. So if a, if a stock is worth $100, 
and there is a million of them outstanding, then that company is worth $100 million. If you will take that then and and basically compare it to how much they're making this year, you can see what their earnings multiple would be. What is their earnings this year? And compare that to how much their company is valued with all the stock that is being traded in the open market. That will tell you an earnings multiple. Now, depending on the sectors, and and, and I'm getting into a little bit of jargon here, you want to think of, let's say, the stock market as a a wide open array of different companies. But there are ways for us, you know, let's say there's thousands of companies out there for us to buy. But if we look at certain sectors, what I'm talking about is maybe we're talking about all technology companies grouped together. That would be a tech sector. Or maybe we're talking about all discretionary spending, and that would be a discretionary sector. Or maybe we're talking about all energy companies, and that would be the energy sector. Right? So you you follow me? We think about the sectors. Maybe we talk about the automotive sector. And you look at that sector and you can begin to articulate what would be somewhat fair. You can extract a, a fair multiple from kind of the average or let's say the uh, the median multiple of the group. Now you're going to have those outliers and you're going to have those that are laggards. But you're going to be able to say all in all if a company is operating at its optimal performance, it should be worth x multiple. Now, let's assume for instance uh, in the tech sector world, the companies that were priced at two and 300 times earnings have now been pulled down because of their sell-off to a 50 or 60 times earnings. And even that could be a little high. You've seen the tech sector be hit tremendously hard with inflation. Why? Because as more and more of their money is going to be used to pay debt service, in other words, the money they've already borrowed against and spent, now they have to pay the interest on that money. As more and more of that money is being used, that means their, their bottom line is less. And stocks trade off of bottom lines most of the time. If the bottom line is less, stock goes down. Bottom line is going to grow, stock goes up. So we have this fancy term called EBITDA. And if you've ever watched any kind of financial news, you've heard EBITDA. That's a simple way of saying earnings. So again, how much the company makes, so earnings, E, before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Now, that's a fancy way to say, what is your top line? (laughs) In other words, it's the top line after what we would consider maybe cost of goods reducted. Now, this is not an econ class, but I want you to be aware of what you're owning Do not buy a stock because it's going to appreciate. Do not buy a stock because you think that a $5 stock is better than a $100 stock. It's impossible to know before you do your analytics. You have to be able to research what you are owning. Don't buy something without knowing about it. And if you're just not 100% sure how to learn about even what you're supposed to buy, That's where it comes in handy to outsource a lot of that. We are here to help you. 270-600-PLAN, 270-600-7526. We can get in front of you and be a second set of eyes for your portfolio. 
We are here to help you become more efficient at what you're buying in the stock market. And ultimately, to be able to completely disengage the success of your retirement from the success of the stock market. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about as soon as we get through this short break. Okay, so the last segment of the show, what I want to cover with you is two things. I want to talk to you about this idea of disengaging the success of the stock market and your success from retirement. I want those to be completely uncorrelated in your future. How do we do that? Well, first, we have to secure your income. In retirement, it's all about income. You've heard me say it a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred more times before the year is up, probably. Retirement without dependable income is not retirement. It's just unemployment. The instant you walk away from your full-time check that comes to you every single week, you need to be able to turn on that stream of income from the money you've saved. If you're not sure how to do that, that's what we're here to help you do. Again, 270-600-PLAN will get you in touch with a member of my team, and we will sit down with you specifically over your portfolio and make sure that your portfolio is ready to generate income for many years to come, no matter what the environment looks like in the stock market. Secondly, we have got to be able to take that money that we are investing for you to generate the income and have it in something that's going to generate income perpetually without worrying about the ups and downs of the stock market. So the stock market itself should only help never hurt the income that you are producing from the assets you buy in retirement. We talked earlier in the show about what the highs and lows of the stock market look like. They're irrational. We've got to shelter you from those. And then we've got to know when to actually execute on the irrationality. If Mr. Market comes knocking on your door and says, I'll give you below price of what the stock should be, I'll, I'll give you that right now, or you can buy more, you want to buy more. If Mr. Market comes and knocks on your door and says, listen, I will give you way above what the actual price should be for this stock, you need a sale. The problem is we become perpetual sellers in retirement. No more do we have expendable income to buy anything. So, for instance, if you are all in the stock market, and let's assume that your advisor has put you in a a set of mutual funds, and you think, oh, I'm very well diversified. You'd be surprised how many times we see mutual fund portfolios actually more correlated. In other words, going directly in line with one individual stock than they would otherwise be if you were able to own a well-diversified portfolio of ETFs, stocks, annuities, and some mutual funds. You can build your portfolio in a way to where you are not dependent upon Mr. Market knocking at your door and telling you how much he is going to give you for the stocks you need to sell today to generate next month's income. Are you understanding what I'm saying? There's a way for us to say, Mr. Market, we don't need you to visit our house anymore because we have income generated to us every single month without worrying about your schizophrenia. (laughs) Again, that's a cartoonish way to look at it, but you've got to be able to disengage your success from the stock market's success. 
we can help you do that. 270-600-PLAN. If you can do that, you truly can live a happy retirement. I know you can. If you can disengage the ups and downs of the stock market from your emotional ups and downs, worry less about the stock market and worry more on the people you care about, spending that time and that money with and on those people, you're going to live a happy and fulfilled retirement. We're going to show you how to do that. We're going to build the plan to make sure that you can. And then as we build that plan, we're going to be there along the way to make sure that we're holding your hand if you are working with us in this retirement journey. 270-600-PLAN. Let me introduce you to one last concept that I think is pretty interesting. And I am not at all at all recommending that someone buys this stock. But I think it's interesting to know that something like this is out here. This is an ETF. It's an exchange-traded fund. It's similar to a mutual fund. And it is built specifically to invest your money in conservative, valued companies. Now, I'm not a proponent of saying right is better or left is better, but I do know that there are a lot of you out there that are saying, Dale, how do I invest my money in a way where I'm not bowing a knee to the left, liberal, woke agenda? If that's you, I've got a ticker for you. It's called Y-A-L-L. If you will Google that, Y-A-L-L, and then put the word stock behind it. Even though it's not a stock, it's a real simple way to get to that ticker. It's an ETF. So you can Google Y-A-L-L ETF. It's the God Bless America ETF. And the only reason I'm even bringing this up is because I had a chance to sit down with the portfolio manager of that ETF, and he described how and why he chooses the stocks he chooses in those. And I thought, it's going to be a podcast. He was a podcast guest that came on the Retirement Matters podcast. If you're not familiar with that, be sure you find that on the podcast of your choice, the podcast streaming service of your choice. But this gentleman, Adam, he's an intelligent man, and he is running this ETF with great success of investing hard-earned money from individuals who want to make sure they're supporting conservative values. So I'm going to play a short clip here. And and the question I asked him leading up to this was, how did you select the stocks that you have inside of your ETF? After the short clip, we're going to come back and end the show pretty quickly. So basically what we did is we took the, the 500 biggest companies in this country, and then we took a number of hot button issues that have come across the newswire over the last five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we just started scouring the internet. And if the company felt the need to issue a press release, um, have social media teams pepper the internet with social media posts, if they did TV commercials, uh, if they had Ron, their CEO was on a talking head news network, if publicly traded businesses went out of their way, to offend 49 to 51% of their potential customers, their employees, and shareholders, we boycotted and we eliminated that, that company. So then, surprisingly, Dale, when I set off to create this thing, a bunch of my mentors were like, Adam, there's not going to be any companies left to even invest in. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're all gone woke. They all have bowed the knee to the liberal mob. Surprisingly, it was a vocal minority thing. And I think the same is holding true right now throughout polite society. It's a small group of individuals making all the noise and creating all of the, the hubba and guff. 
There you have it. That's Adam Cran, the portfolio manager and founder of the YALL God Bless America ETF. It's all about conservative values inside of that fund. If you are interested in learning how you can invest a little more patriotically, we would love to sit down with you. Give us a call, 270-600-7526. That's 270-600-PLAN. And be sure to catch this podcast in its entirety with my interview with Adam Coran, the founder of God Bless America ETF. It's set to drop in just a few weeks. I think you'll enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy speaking with you each and every week, but until we talk again, always remember to save money, plan well, and live happy in retirement. God bless. Investment advisory services made available through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Artie Smothers Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. RD Smothers Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained here and provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Artie Smothers Wealth Management.